0: The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, and I should tell you that we're doing this show early on a Saturday morning. And Chris has been immersed in that book, Stalking the Herd, for so many weeks that he's probably just exhausted. In fact, I hear him breathing hard. It's... Uh,
2: it's more of a relief,
1: Jane. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just glad that it's over. Well, I have been forced in my life to do these production-line computer books, and I've done books of a thousand pages and more. But you have not six months or fifteen years to write one; you have maybe six weeks at the most. No, oh, that's insanity. There's a word for it: hellish. I hope they paid you good. Mm-hmm. Frankly, more than you get for a flying saucer or a generic paranormal book. Yeah. But it's set up in such a way that you'll never earn out. What I mean by earn out, folks, is normally when you write a book, you get usually in advance against royalties. And if the book exceeds that level, they start sending you money like every month, every quarter, every six months, usually several months after they do their accounting. So you don't get the riches right away. But if the book doesn't earn out, meaning that the amount due to you exceeds what they paid you, you see nothing. And in computer books, they got down to a science. They were always within $50, more or less. So either I was $50 short, they're not going to ask for the money back, or they owe me $50. Very seldom did I ever get a really good royalty, except once I think I got like $7,000 for one month's sales. That was nice. That's how production line book writing works. It's not like all these famous authors who make millions. It's not like Tom Clancy, but it didn't help Tom Clancy. He died young, and he Some made. Some
2: people say he was killed. You think so? He knew too much about what? Uh, well, his first book, "Hunt for Red October," "Hunt for Red Pill Junkie." Um. Hunt for Red Pill Junkie. Let's explain this. This was turned into a major motion picture. Uh, No, Hunt from Red October, uh, he came up with this concept of a Caterpillar drive, which was a secret Russian uh, drive system on the submarine. And Naval Intelligence paid him a visit and and interrogated him and said, how did you know about this new development in submarine technology? And he had just made it up. And turns out that he had kind of spilled the beans on a classified naval project. Ooh, That hurts. Well, they paid attention to him after that, and he became, you know, pretty connected on some of the highest levels in the military and, shall we say, the espionage communities.
1: Well, I knew him way back when. One time or two times, I helped him with his computer. And he was using a Mac at the time. Don't know if he continued using a Mac. But I helped him with a few things like setting up a CD drive on his computer. I met him a couple of times at Macworld Expos. These are the trade shows for people who use Apple Macintosh computers. Apple no longer participates in those, but that's another story. So anyway, I met him a couple of times, and I listened to him tell stories, and he just loved to tell stories about Tom Clancy. It was all about Tom Clancy. And he didn't think much of a lot of people, I guess, who were involved in making movies of his stories. So, for example... In two of the movies, based on the Jack Ryan character, his most popular character, Harrison Ford, played the role. He didn't think Harrison Ford was very bright, to put it mildly. And he made that very clear. So that was Tom Clancy. I lost touch with him. and Anyway, they have a new movie out now with Jack Ryan character featuring Chris Pine, who's also doing Captain Kirk in the new Star Trek series. It got decent reviews, but hasn't done well at the box office. So maybe that's the end of that character. There you go. Chris, we're going to be doing one or two special episodes with you about stalking the herd. It's now on sale. It's at the printer. It's going to be out end of February. You can place orders now. And Chris is taking orders at his site, ourstrangeplanet.com. And the reason I mentioned that over Amazon, well, two reasons. Number one, Chris gets all the money. That's nice. And he'll autograph the book until his hands fall off. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? Now, is there any truth to the rumor that you are going to do this ambidextrous? You know, when your hand gets tired signing with your right hand, you'll sign with your left hand.
2: No, but I'll tell you, when the uh, local bookstore in the San Luis Valley uh, called me up after my first book had come out, and they said, we have somebody that's heading up your way. We're bringing up some books for you to sign. I said, okay. They walked in with 15 cases of books. (laughs) It's the first time I ever got, literally got what writer's cramp. And I I had to stop and like somebody had to massage my hand because there were what, 72 books in in, in a case. It it was ridiculous. I I don't want to do that again. I want to spread it out over, you know, at least a couple of days.
1: (laughs) Okay. So when you order a book from Chris, it may take a couple of days to get one.
2: As soon as I have them, the turnaround will be no time at all. But uh, you know, again, it's at the printer, so it won't be out for another minimum three weeks, maximum five weeks. So.
1: And it's a big book; it's yes. five hundred like sixty three pages plus what we call the front matter. And the front matter is like the introduction. It's like the forward. That's another ten fifteen pages. The table of contents and everything. Oh,
2: it's 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 about five hundred eighty five pages total.
1: Mm. It's a thick book. It's a great read. We didn't make the type too small. Chris was saying, you know, maybe we can have a few less pages if you make the type smaller. But I pointed out to him that then people can't read it and you wouldn't want to have to give a copy of Reading Glasses. Right. People. Well, most people that read books now are our age. So. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. You know, we're older kind of people. But that's how it goes. So we'll have some great shows. This is the definitive work on cattle mutilations. It's not filled with a lot of crazy, unproven mysticism. It's all facts and research and stuff that you can back up.
2: Got a little bit of everything, Gene. It's it's got some pretty crazy stuff in there as well. But it all depends on what your definition of crazy is. To me, crazy is you know scientifically impossible cases that just you know kind of peel your ears back. And there's a number of
1: those in there. Okay, well, we're going to peel back the mystery there. Speaking of things to peel back, we're going to peel back the mysteries of an interesting and really fascinating character who's a blogger. He's a very active participant in our forums at forum.thepowercast.com. And we decided to get him on the show. He's known as Red Pill Junkie, and that, of course, has a lot of connotations that I don't wish to mention, but I'm going to ask you, RPJ or Red or whatever you would like to be called, and we won't call you late for dinner, (laughs) how did you get that name? I mean, you weren't born as Red Pill Junkie. We know that. He's a fan of The Matrix.
3: Uh, I'm a fan of the Matrix, but also I think that the reason I chose the name is because by 1999, which was the the year that the first Matrix movies was released, I was already deep in the study of the books of Carlos Castaneda. Do tell. Well, okay. uh, for me, uh, the similarities between the plot of the movie. and and, and the books uh, of of Carlos were too many to ignore. I mean, uh, Neo was Carlos, Morpheus was Don Juan, uh, the red pill was an allegory for all the uh, power plants that Carlos uh, consumed during uh, his first years of apprenticeship with Don Juan. And by the end of the movie, when finally Neo starts to see the the code, you know, the the falling code of the matrix, is similar to what uh, what they call the melon knowledge or the sorcerers how they uh, actually perceive the universe as uh, lines of energy and the human body as a glowing neck so to me that's maybe that was the reason why uh, the matrix has such a such a big impact in me
1: okay this is not the matrix this is a paranormal radio show red pill junkie joining us with gene and chris in the paracast, Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7 365 days a year to answer any of your questions now to get the discount use
4: the coupon code gene when you check out have you ever felt like the united states government knows way too much about your financial affairs i continue to hear stories about property seizures frozen bank accounts confiscation of stocks and bonds it makes me wonder if the u.s citizen will ever again have the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness
5: Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love Lerps as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866 404 3663 866 404 Food. Or log on
6: now to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The Patriots at UtopiaSilver.com hold this truth dear colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopia silver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind visit utopia silver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver call 888-213-4338 888-213-4338 and talk to the patriots at utopia silver.com a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver colloidal gold minerals vitamins and herbs utopia silver.com
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Our guest this week is Red Pill Junkie. And people are going to look and say, "Uh, who's that? Well, he happens to be fellow who blogs about the paranormal fellow who is very active in our forums and elsewhere around the internet but the big question here red or rpj is do you actually have a day job that you actually earn a normal living or are you just an online person
3: oh yes i definitely have a a day job and i'm a i'm an interior designer i work for a small architectural company we do uh Many projects ranging from you know residential, residential projects, uh, uh, remodeling, to uh, furniture design.
2: I was an interior designer, but it was point of purchase uh, display for high end electronics company. We have that nice. in common. Mm, nice. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. It was a fun job. I got to be creative and made made some really good money. So which I spent. <laughs> chasing after dead cows there you go (laughs) later on didn't matter how much i saved it was gone (laughs) but uh you know i've seen your stuff uh online for years now and what's always struck me is whenever i i see you your that hand with the red pill in, in in there which is kind of your avatar I always pay attention because I always know and you're one of very few people I can say this about online. I always know that I'm whatever the subject is that you've responded to that I'm going to get a very well thought out reasoned response or comment. What exactly do you think is going on with the paranormal? Let's let's kind of cut to the chase. What what sort of background do you have in the subject? You're obviously very well read. And what do you think is going on, and why? Well, as for the background, you know, as as you said,
3: and and first of all, thank you for for the kind comments. Um, Well, I'm a a person who likes to pay attention, you know, (laughs) who goes to from side to side reading and absorbing as much uh, as I can. And then I guess all that absorption Eventually gets fermented in my head, you know, and, and, and helps me to to you know, come up with um, my own perspective on things. And as for what's what's going on in the paran- in the so called paranormal, a term I particularly loathe, you know, it, it's because it's so deceiving, you know. It, it either means something that it's outside. Uh, the the range of the laws uh, of nature, uh, which time 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 and time again, every phenomenon that we think that we think that it cannot be explained by nature, we end eventually tend to to do it to incorporate it into our little tidy uh, model of of what the universe is and how it should behave. Uh, and also the other thing about the paranormal is that it can also could, could imply that it's uh, something very uh, outside the quote-unquote normal range of uh, human experience. I'm sure that for people like you and me who, who are deeply invested in the, in this in, uh, in this phenomena, we could uh, test that it, that's just not the case. You know, you go to to a conference or maybe somewhere like the Paradigm Symposium that I have been lucky to attend. Uh, in bo- on both occasions and once you get acquainted with a person and get familiar with you and uh, and it gets uh, it's comfortable comfortable enough to open up they start to to tell you all these very interesting ideas with uh, 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 maybe things that happen to them personally or things that happen to someone close to them so yeah, you get to, you uh, e- easily realize that these so-called paranormal phenomena are are part a very important and neglected part of,
1: uh, of the everyday life let's kind of go back to the beginning here of your focus about things that are strange things that are unusual have you had personal experiences in your life that also helped move you in this direction
3: nothing overtly dramatic you know i mean uh, as a child of the 80s you know someone who was deeply influenced by all the big uh, blockbuster movies, you know, from Steven Spielberg, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., the Extraterrestrial, and all that. I always wanted to have, you know, that close encounter experience or something like that. And uh, uh, UFO sightings, maybe I've only had it twice. Nothing uh, overtly spectacular. You know, the last one was just when I was uh, had returned from the Paradigm Symposium. And it, ha- it lasted just maybe even less than a second. I saw a small light in the sky that had a very peculiar uh, uh, movement, something that could not have been easily explained as, uh, as an airplane or something like that. But, well, it was just that, you know, just a light that I cannot explain. You know, I'm not going to jump in and say, oh, it was a Pleiadian, a Pleiadian beam ship, you know, saying Hello. What are the types of things uh, I've experienced? I've experienced a uh, uh, lucid, a lot of lucid dreaming, that was uh, prompted by by my readings of, uh, of Carlos Castaneda. It was the one who put in me the idea of trying, you know, to to, to have a lucid dreaming, and I guess it kind of worked because <laughs> on several occasions I have managed to, to attain that that level of lucidity. Also, people. Uh, um people who are interested in this know this that uh, when you start to pay attention uh, a lot of synchronicities start to, to pop into your life but basically that's that's about it you know i've never had a chance to have a, a really close ufo sighting uh, or seeing something in the woods that i cannot explain or seeing some kind of ghostly apparition most of my uh, Uh, my experience has been uh, I guess purely purely academical
1: well looking at the personal experiences or the desire for personal experiences now when I describe my situation I'll say maybe once or twice something might have happened like I had a UFO sighting once but it could have been anything you know nothing's really detailed enough to indicate something that was really unusual And one other time with my first wife, we were asleep and she awakened me to tell me that she saw a water elemental. And I saw some kind of shadowy thing in the distance, but, you know, my eyes were unfocused, my glasses weren't on. Who knows? Who knows what we could have seen. Regardless, that's it. I have never had the desire to see anything more for obvious reasons, because you hear so many of these stories about, harm coming to you either your psyche is completely upset or we have cases where maybe people suffer some kind of radiation effect if they mm-hmm. come into proximity of a ufo we're going to be breaking for a moment red but the question mm-hmm. i would ask you and then to componder this when we bring you back you've mm-hmm. had a couple of things happen to you do you have a desire at all a burning desire or other desire to actually come up close and personal with a ufo a ghost a cryptoid whatever red pill junkie is the guy's name and you're on with gene and chris you're in The the Paracast.
7: minds think alike the network for the independent minded the genesis communications network g
1: c n
9: Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution.
10: Question, could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy-sourced. Soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 daily probiotic cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better.
11: Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what. You're gonna hear stuff here that you probably
12: won't hear anywhere else. Hear that George Snorri?
1: Chris sounds tired. It's actually a relief <laughs> for I'm writing that massive work stalking the Herd. And the difference between him and me is that I've written production line books about computers that take just weeks to complete. He's got something there that is a decade and a half research and a lot more. Red Pill Junkie is our guest, an active participant in our forums, an active blogger on the paranormal. And the question I asked him before we broke, do you have any burning desire or otherwise to have a paranormal encounter? Red?
3: Yes, sure. I've always had the desire to see a UFO close, but unfortunately, it seems that the phenomenon has actively eluded me. And I remember uh, one uh, time several years ago when my family took a road trip to a place called uh, Tlaxcala here in Mexico. And I don't know, they asked me if I wanted to come along. I said, no, I wanted to stay, I don't know, play play video games and whatever. And when they returned, they told me that they saw a UFO. They saw saw, uh, a weird, uh, bright light in the sky where there was nothing, you know, for miles ahead in in the highway. In the roads it almost felt like the goddamn UFO was you know flipping me like a finger in the sky and say ha huh, you want you want to see some of these well you ain't getting anything
2: oh, no it's up with me I, I guess it's where you live and, and hang out and, and if you spend time out actively looking uh, in the San Luis Valley through the 90s you know I could have four or five sightings in one night of different events. I, I, I don't know what it is but <laughs> ever since I moved there, you know, I have had uh, quite a number of good sightings, including one that just really was quite startling. Broad daylight traveling down Highway 69 in the Werfno Valley, and uh, this little 10, 12-foot scout ship went zipping right across, <laughs> about 150 feet away, about 50 feet up. And, you know, it was imp- I thought it was a model plane at first that, that it was a, a little bit, uh, that was really close. And then I realized that it was, probably 50 60 feet away and and, and much bigger and uh, from that point on boy it's I've had dozens and dozens of sightings of course it, it probably helps to have a network of people that call you up and say hey it's coming your direction you know run outside look look in this direction look in that direction so um, having a network of sky watchers is probably the best way to create you know some form of phone chain or something that can alert others, uh, when things are flying around. And fortunately I've been able to get some, some videos, a few photographs, but it's very, very difficult. Most of the time it, it just happens when you least expect it. Um, it, it can be startling and mm-hmm. you tend to freeze up and just kind of fixate on, on, on what, whatever weirdness it is. And then all of a sudden you're shocked into to action to grab a camera or, or attempt to document it which um, I find over and over again is people's reactions, uh, even someone you, like a Ray Stanford.
3: Don't you think that there are some people that might act as some, some kind of a magnet for the phenomenon? Because if I recall correctly, you yourself had a very startling experience when you were very young.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, uh, maybe they've somehow marked me or something i don't know i've had two really good sightings here since i moved to the sedona area one was broad daylight it's like it looked like a giant 30 maybe 40 foot chicken egg mm-hmm. a white chicken egg flying up <laughs> oak creek canyon and there were a bunch of campers in the uh, hikers rather in in the canyon that also saw it and reported it just so other than that i've I, it's been pretty quiet around here i don't really count indistinguishable lights in the sky anymore Really. Mm. Unless they're groups of lights that seem to be flying in formation or um, appear to to be a lit up large craft, there's so many you know nocturnal light sightings around here that are misconstrued. They're planes putting on their landing lights, or you know the space station going over, or you know various satellites. But boy, I've I've seen some of Ed Grimsley's footage of uh, some good night vision. you almost any night you go out, you'll see. Something unusual flying around that you can't see with the uh, with the naked
1: eye. A fast question here, that you've had so many of these encounters. Do you ever feel, Chris, that you're being singled out by them? I'm being serious here. Yeah, I know you are. Uh, no, I don't. I think I just happen to be in the
2: right place at the right time. And I'm constantly looking. Uh, when I go outside, you know, I, I don't smoke inside my house. Um, so, so when I go out to have a smoke, I'm constantly, my head's on a swivel. Whenever I move to a new area, I research and find out where the predominant, uh, the areas of highest incidence are and where sightings are predominant. So therefore, I generally focus in those uh, particular directions or areas. I dovetail my efforts with other researchers, uh, for instance, here in the Sedona area, Tom Dongo, and and several others uh, who've been here for years, they kind of have a sense of where these things are normally seen and so i I get myself as up to speed as possible but i don't think i've been singled out i think i'm just really um very observant Uh, i'm always looking and that's you know people say how come you get to see so many ufos because i look (laughs) most people rarely look above eye level you know and (laughs) unless you're actually paying attention and looking and keeping up on on whether there's been sightings reported in the area and network with people, if you do those things, you increase the odds of having a a sighting experience. Well, that
1: creates the impression here that you probably believe in what's called the publicity flap, when you have a wave of UFO cases. Mm. It's not because the UFOs are here in a greater frequency, it's because more people are looking for them.
2: Well, the classic example, and I think uh, RPJ would would agree, is the 19, what was it, 1991, I think, uh, Mexico City uh, eclipse?
3: Yes, in uh, July 19th, 1991.
2: Right, everybody was out looking at the eclipse in the daytime, and lo and behold, uh, I think at last count, it was eight videotapes were taken of these silver orbs that were seen by people. that Uh They were able to uh, triangulate uh, and get actually some pretty good information from these various videos that were done unbeknownst to one another as Mm -hmm. people were watching the eclipse i remember that was a that was a really big news story down there and it actually became a news story up here
3: yeah i mean it really began a very very active lap over here in mexico the the ufo's became
2: a, a very very hot topic yeah especially when jaime jumped in there
3: yeah, I mean, I remember this. there was this uh, talk show, uh, prog- TV program called Usted Que Opina uh, on Channel 2 with uh, this guy Nino Canón. And there was this night when Jaime Maussan and other people were talking about UFOs. The program started about 8 o'clock p.m. on a Friday night, and it ended Sat and the Saturday next Saturday on seven a.m. Wow, eleven hours they were, and the reason they had to cut the program because because was well, because the news uh, uh, program was about to start, so they couldn't go in the way of the of the uh, channel schedule. And yeah, back in those days, Jaime was, you know, uh, the the idol of many people. You know, I, I must admit, including me. You know, people were, were younger; the younger generation were, were really. Uh, uh, reacting to, to to his message you know when when the skeptics started to you know to question him the, the people in that program starting to boo him to boo them it was you know, kind of crazy you know like a lucha libre match or something
2: well i would say especially early on jaime's um i think he was pretty much believing anything that looked strange he would jump on it and, and promote it as something high strange and as a ufo Mm-hmm. i i think he's gotten a little better uh over the years he's become more discerning and a little bit more selective in what he chooses to jump on and and promote but but back in the early days man if it looked weird he was all over it <laughs> you yeah know, i agree he, i remember he got fooled by uh, mylar balloons a few times and uh you know photographs of birds uh, with their wings folded in and he he wasn't very. I, I don't think he really had developed a critical eye until later in the late '90s, early 2000s. Then he started to pull back a little
1: bit. We're gonna pull back for a moment here. Mm-hmm. We'll have more to come with Red Pill Junkie and Gene and Chris. You're in the ParaCast.
7: Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN.
8: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and affording phenomena When you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal It's jam-packed with stories Special book and DVD promotions And the best news It's absolutely free Sent right to your mailbox Plus a bonus free email newsletter Sent out every Friday Simply send an email With your name and address To UFO At WebTV.net That's UFO At WebTV.net Find out what they don't want you to know.
9: Hey everyone, have you heard about the No-No Hair Removal device that's sweeping the globe? If you want to go weeks without shaving and get smooth, professional, quality results, here's our favorite host, Cheryl, for No-No Hair Removal.
11: Thanks! Hey gals, I love talking about my No-No. It's this cute little hair removal system that you can take with you and use almost anywhere at home or on the road. No more expensive in-office treatments, painful waxing, and no more wasting your valuable time. Got unwanted facial hair? No-No Hair has patented Thermacon technology that works on all hair and skin colors, so it's perfect for using on all body parts. And now you can take advantage of this incredible risk-free trial. Get the No-No, the facial kit, a travel case, and a $100 discount shopping card, and you don't risk a penny to try it. Try the incredible No-No hair completely risk-free. Call 1-800-953-6062. That's 800-953-6062. 800-953-6062. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all.
12: Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: I think people think when we use the name Red Pill Junkie, what is that about? Is this a show on pop culture? No, it's a paranormal <laughs> show called the Paracast. And by the way, we're being heard On another venue, in addition to GCN Network and online and iTunes, there's a new service out there, a streaming service called Boost Radio Network that's carrying us. So that gives you another option. It's available online. There's an app for your iPhone or your Android phone. So there
2: you go. Here's a shout out to all our new listeners out there. Don't forget to visit. TheParacast.com, and become a member of our forum at forum.theparacast.com, where you get to ask questions of our guests, like today's Red Pill Junkie, and interact with some really smart people. We've got one of the uh, most up-to-speed, knowledgeable online communities, I think, in the paranormal, and I can't thank all these folks enough for all their great questions, and and keeping uh, Gene and I really, you
1: know, keeping us always thinking, always on our feet. Speaking of which, we got quite a few questions for Red Pill Junkie. He's one of the most popular people in our forums. He's always there, always there with great comments. And maybe we'll sprinkle some of those questions through the episode. In fact, Chris, if you want to start right now and ask a few. You ready for this, Red? Yeah, I took full advantage of being a member of the podcast forum, so (laughs) I read the the questions beforehand. Okay, you cheated. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. (laughs) We let our guests look at the forums. have that power i mean i do have the power to stop it but we don't want to explain that chris you're gonna
2: love this one (laughs) in a recent column you discussed Mm. steven greer's media coverage for the cameras he puts on a mainstream image while offstage he runs a cult-like ufo organization if we could send you back in time what would you do to prevent the rise of greer and is it too late to do anything about it today
3: (laughs) Yeah, I know who, who sent that question was um, <laughs> our, my, our good friend, Kurt Collins. My answer is, my dear, dear Kurt, if I had a time machine at my disposal, do you think I would waste the trip in Steven Greer? <laughs> I mean, the only yeah. thing that would have prevented his rise was if the aliens had actually landed in the White House, you know, came out and said, Steven who? No, we we don't know that guy. You know. You no, know, we don't know what's talking about.
2: <laughs> well, I tried. I I met him very early on myself back in 93. And uh I told him in front of some really, you know, super well-to-do, well-connected rich socialites that uh his message was made way more important than he was. Mm-hmm. And uh I think that anybody who's uh has a chance to talk to him, should remember that mantra, Stephen, your message is more important than you are. And just say that over and over. Lull yourself
1: to sleep with it. And maybe your ego will come down about 50 sizes. Maybe if he had a real sighting of some sort, not maybe something he might make up, but if he had some real events happen to him, maybe he wouldn't be so high and mighty.
3: I mean, I think that uh, complaining about the prominence Stephen Greer has today in the field, it will be akin to the researchers trying to get back to the study, the beneficial study of psychedelics, if they were lamenting or regretting how Timothy Leary, you know, uh, set back the research for two years. You know, I mean, so do we blame Greer or do we blame the culture? You know, the culture. Right now is uh, you know, paying attention on only to the the, ones, uh, the people who have the most extravagant uh, stories about UFOs or the paranormal. So uh, I think that Greer is n- only partially to blame. And, uh, right now I think that uh, the mainstream culture only looks to UFOs as a source of entertainment, you know. So if you want to have the most entertainment uh, UFO story, you go with uh, the people who have the wackiest tales. So, hence, they only call Stephen Greer instead, instead of calling someone like Leslie King or someone like, I don't know, Richard Dolan or, or people who will provide a, a, a more sober and a more measured message.
1: So, basically, it's all about the cult of personality. It's show biz, folks. So, if the person who is the most extravagant, the best show person the one that yeah. can grab the ratings, that's what it's all about. It's not about the research. It's not about figuring out if we're being visited by aliens or if there's some other thing going on. That doesn't matter. It's all for the show. And that's what yeah. reality TV is,
3: unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, Kurt, Kurt's uh, question immediately reminded me of that scene in the in the movie Fellowship of the Ring, you know, when Frodo and Gandalf are talking and Frodo is uh, regretting how... Bilbo didn't kill Gollum, you know, and he had a chance. And, you know, maybe maybe Stephen Greer is like Gollum, you know. He still has some weird
1: part in this tale that we, we haven't just figured out yet. You know, he's kind of a thin person, Stephen Greer. Does he resemble <laughs> <laughs> that other guy? Just think about it. Take a look at Stephen Greer. Have you seen them at the same time in the same place? <laughs> I'm starting a web rumor here. Uh, I don't know. Now that you mention
2: it, I don't think so. Right? Think about it, folks. Well, while we're thinking about that, let me get on uh, back to Mexico City, and then I have some questions for you concerning the work of uh, Carlos Castaneda. But first, this one comes from Nameless, who has been a forum poster for a couple of years now. And he asks, in regards to the Mexico City UFO waves of the 90s, could such displays have occurred anywhere else? Or is this intrinsically linked to the nature of Mexican culture with its belief systems, mythology, psychological makeup? His kind of follow-up question to that is, does this link in with the paranormal phenomena have a quantum observer effect with the experiencer or collective experiencers being an unconscious co-creator or protagonist? So, I think what he's saying is, are these things really happening, or is it the expectations of the people and in the culture manifesting these examples of uh, waves of UFOs or other types of paranormal phenomena? Both are excellent questions. Yeah.
3: Getting back to the, the wave in the 90s, you know, I think that definitely there was the uh, effect of uh, Mexico being way more open to the possibility of the UFO phenomenon thanks to the work of uh, people like, forget about Jaime Maussan, before Jaime there was Pedro Ferri Santa Cruz, who is widely regarded as the father of Mexican ufology. The guy was a friend of uh, Dr. J. Alejanec and for many years he had a TV program called Un Mundo Nos Vigila, a World is Watching Us. You know, Back in the days when uh, the phenomenon was ridiculed in the United, in the United States. In Mexico, there was a mainstream program, you know, talking and discussing the phenomenon. So there was that. And maybe I think by looking back in, in those days that the early 90s was a very kind of turbulent times in Mexican society in Mexican culture. Maybe that also had something to do. I, I often wonder if there is a, 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 an increase in UFO sightings in places when, where there are uh, uh, social social some kind of social turbulence you know and maybe there uh, i then think of the chicken and the egg question you know does the social turbulence somehow attract the phenomenon or does the social uh, unrest you know somehow manage forces uh, the people to look uh, up into the sky more often
2: i don't know yeah i've often noticed that um these waves uh, tend to happen at the end of conflicts, um, like for instance, this, the seventy-three wave began as we were leaving Vietnam, hmm. uh, and and at the startup phase, where we're really starting to ratchet up, you know, military and, and aggressive human behavior. Uh, the waves of sixty-six, sixty-seven, for instance, uh, going back to the waves of fifty-fifty-one. There seems to be a tie-in with troops coming back from Korea. Uh, the the sort of the ending of, of conflict or, or the the conflict starting to even out and uh, but I think changes uh, especially involving aggressive human behavior have do tend to spark uh, flaps of, of UFO activity or it appears statistically that 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 happens and it it's the same with the cattle mutilation phenomenon I actually in, in my new book I go into uh, you know some pretty interesting areas about looking at how certain memes within the culture get started inadvertently or by design in some cases they're actually you know interjected on purpose into the culture and again you do see a correlation with with aggressive human behavior so i I think that's something for our listeners to really uh maybe dig into a little bit more and and do a little research in those areas
1: we're going to Uh, dig into this right now And then we'll dig up some more commentaries from Red Pill Junkie. Joining Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Free
7: from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. G C N
13: It's that time of year again, and you know what that means, cold and flu season. (coughs) But don't worry, HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and Respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole-body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Enter specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since
0: 1988. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
1: On the Paracast, we have Red Pill Junkie, that's the name of a gentleman, who is fascinated by the paranormal. He blogs, he comments, and he's here today to tell you what he thinks. And obviously, we have a lot of interest in what he has to say. A lot of, of our listeners have asked questions, and we'll get through those and some of our own questions as we continue. So, RPJ, before we go on, any response to what Chris said in the previous segment?
3: Yeah, I mean, looking back on the the waves of 1973 and all that. And I, I actually take pride on, on the fact that I was born in October of 1973 during one of those <laughs> big UFO waves.
1: Okay. So you're just a kid.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm still wet behind between the years. And other places, but we Another don't place. <laughs> uh, But getting back to the other part of uh, nameless question about the co-creation of the phenomenon, I'm totally in favor of it. You know, I think we're like Greg Bishop and other people have suggested, we are no mere spectators, you know? I mean, maybe when uh, we see something in in the sky or something that we can't interpret and that we haven't had a, a previous experience for it, our minds is trying to put it into a, into a frame of reference that we can uh, grasp.
2: That makes sense. And there's uh, definitely some sort of reflective cultural um, aspect, I, I, at least I believe, yeah, in definitely. this sense, which is akin to the valet control system, the, the the cultural thermostat idea of heating the culture up when it needs to be heated up and cooling it down when it needs to be cooled down. Mm-hmm. That's always struck uh, me as being a very, very astute observation, and it, it rings true for me. But do you think that this is a way to get humans uh, to evolve? Uh, Nameless uh, has a third question here, and he's wondering if this is a way to kickstart change within the culture and to break conformity of will and the narrow view of a paradigm. Where do you see the shift in consciousness going? Are are we relegated into the realm of the trickster where all bets are off and anything could happen? Or are we seeing a real trend going into a particular direction?
3: I do think uh, that the the phenomenon is somehow involved in the evolution of, of human culture. You know, UFOs are in a way, I see them as agents of instability. You know, they undermine the power and the legitimacy of the status quo. You know, maybe that's why only people in outsiders, uh, cultural outsiders, are the are the one most fascinated by them. But people in the mainstream, you know, people, the elite, they try to to, to reject it and to, to turn their turn their head away. And as for how. Where are we going? You know, the thing I would like to see is a uh, shift away from our current uh, materialistic paradigm. This uh, rejection of uh, anything that not, that cannot be addressed or explained by our current uh, scientific methodology. That the idea, the insistence that human consciousness—it's nothing but the mere byproduct of the firing of our neurons inside our brains—you know. If we could start to 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 to, to prove uh, that c- human consciousness is non-local by nature, then that maybe will be even more important, a, a more groundbreaking than the uh, you know the the classical wish of the the UFOs landing on the White House lawn.
1: Yeah, you know what I hear when I'm listening to these commentaries that we are what they call these thin clients, the human brain, a thin client being like a computer Mm -hmm. that taps into a larger network. And we're all tapping into the same network. You know, we're using cloud-based systems. And now, of course, we're using that in the technology world where a lot of things are happening in the cloud, which is, of course, a network of servers that our computers or their smartphones or your tablets tap into. So is that the human mind that we're all tapping into this central repository of information or is it all part of a shared network where we each play a part of it like you know these bit torrents where everybody is part of the network when you download illegal software or music
3: that's the uh, the kind of things that i'm uh, currently pondering upon you know whether you know, human brains are just complex you know in order to tap int into what uh, Eastern mystics will, ca- will call the net of Indra or the sea of consciousness, right? So uh, br- our brains are just uh, like nodes, hubs uh, of, uh, of uh, consciousness. So maybe the idea is here to, to try to uh, entertain the possibility that the main building blocks of reality are not uh, energy and time-space, like uh, materialist scientists will have us believe, but rather that consciousness and information are the base of everything. That is something that uh, Jacques Vallée started to propose in his uh, books, Messengers of Deception, that really had a huge impact in my, in my way of thinking. Yeah. That's when I first started to entertain the idea that we live in an associative universe rather than a causative one. In a causative universe, the cosmos always precede the effect, but in an associative universe, you know, it's something like, like the internet where, where our consciousness are tapping into all these uh, hyperlinks and you can move from place to place, irregardless of time and space. And in such a universe, things like remote viewing and precognition and telepathy, they don't break the laws of physics, they obey the laws of physics.
2: Yeah, and and you're describing something that almost sounds holographic in nature. That, that mm-hmm. the implicate order uh, is contained uh, in in all aspects of it. You know, you have a full a full uh, image that's contained within the parts of the image, and 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 that brings in the whole possibility that each each individual human consciousness maybe like a synapse and a giant brain. And then the collective unconscious is the actual neural pathways that connect all this stuff together. Mm-hmm. And it all all operates with a basic set of symbols or archetypes, which um, the work of Carl Jung, of course, has, has really flavored my, my thinking for many years. And when you put those two things together, um, some, some people might <laughs> be a little bigger synapse uh, sitting at at more of a crucial junction within the, uh, the system Uh, Mm -hmm. and maybe firing off signals and receiving signals more so than other synapses. Uh, And so maybe the special destiny people are just sitting right at the right intersection of, of this hypothetical synaptic uh, network. But, but but it would make sense uh, that there is interconnectedness, and then on some level we are co-creating this reality and uh hence your red pill junkie moniker you know moniker where do you, you want to go back to the you know take the blue pill and you want to go back and, mm-hmm. and to sleep and into your you know what you think is your everyday mundane reality or do you want to do you want to see what's really going on and uh that's why i've always loved that particular uh avatar that you have and it was very uh, striking to me when i first started reading your your commentaries uh, on the net well so what do you think about this idea of this holographic sort of uh, systematic network of of connected uh, holograms all firing off one another and, and sharing on some uh you know deep uh, collective unconscious uh, way
3: yeah i think it's uh, it's uh, a very uh, suggestive possibility in the, on the last uh, Paradigms in Potion, I had the, the, the luxury and the pleasure of s- spending two whole hours with Thomas Fosco, who uh, tried to explain to me his idea of this uh, super geometry, you know, like this uh, higher order of reality in which our universe is merely a subset. And I can't claim to say that I fully understood what he said, you know, by the end of it, my brain was sweating and <laughs> I felt like dizzy. But uh, I think we are coming back to all these Gnostic, very Gnostic, very uh, ideas that hark- harken back to the, the age of Plato, you know, the, ca- the, the cave and we, in which we are, on, we, what we perceive as reality are merely shadows, you know, re- reflecting on the walls of the cave.
1: And wouldn't it be interesting if we can collectively change that reality to something maybe exactly. a little bit better? Let's get into more of that in our next mm-hmm. segment red pill junkie is joining us you're on with gene and chris of course chris's new book stalking the herd will be out shortly but meantime you're in the Paracast.
14: Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10% but you lose 40% of your purchasing power. Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts. Please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134.
15: products from municipal water berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water for the gold standard in water filters get a big berkey at big berkey and all gcn listeners get five percent off all ceramic filter systems for details call 1-877-99-BERKEY that's
6: 877-99-BERKEY big berkey water filters for the love of clean water it's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics. But the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this this truth dear colloidal and ionic silver supplements from UtopiaSilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind visit UtopiaSilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver call 888-213-4338 888-213-4338 and talk to the patriots at UtopiaSilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver colloidal gold minerals vitamins and herbs UtopiaSilver.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast
1: community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Red Pill Junkie, joining Gene and Chris. Can we, my friend, collectively create our own reality? Especially if we don't like the one that we have now,
3: I think so. Perhaps it's possible. Perhaps we are just subconsciously uh, shaping the, the course of our own history. And if we could just try to uh, come up with a, a, a better, a better idea of what of where we are, where we want to go, maybe we could make that a reality. That's why I. I am such a big fan of science fiction because, to me, it, it, it's it's uh, like a window uh, in which we could we can glimpse the kind of future that uh, we could uh, hope for. You know, that like in the Star Trek universe, we see uh, uh, humanity has finally uh, grown beyond our current adolescence I and mean, is on its way to becoming a, a galactic civilization. You know, it's it's a message of hope. It's a message of of how w- there can be a, a, a way to move forward and maybe if we really uh, that's one maybe if, uh, when engineers are inspired by such uh, artistic representations they try to manifest that that uh, imaginary world into our reality so now that's why we now we have uh, technologies like uh, uh, smartphones are video conferences and now there are people who are trying to 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 find a way to create an actual warp drive.
1: And of course, they're even trying to create some kind of teleportation system. Mm-hmm. So beam me up, Scotty, that can happen. If then, if you go back to Star Trek Next Generation, in the 1980s, they were using tablets like the iPad.
3: Yes, and there was also uh, in, in the... Uh, The the first version of that program, when the the American audience saw the first interracial kiss between Captain Kirk and Uhura, you know, back in those days when there was still the separation between the uh, African Americans and the whites, you know. So that was also a message of, of, of hope.
1: Well, you know, for example, the woman who played Uhura, Nichelle Nichols, she wanted to quit after the first year. And she was urged upon by civil rights leaders to keep at that role because she was a role model for women, for black people in general. And that's why mm-hmm. she kept it. Of course, in the modern Star Trek, we have Uhura, who's involved in a romantic relationship, not just with a white person, but a Vulcan. Yeah. So uh, Taking kind of it one further stage.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is that right now uh, I don't I don't know if you have noticed that most of uh, current sci-fi it's kind of a uh, this topic in its nature. You know, there it's only about mostly about uh, worst cases scenarios. Like in the movie Elysium, we see you know the one percent finally living the living off the planet and living in this paradise, technological uh, paradise, this uh, luxurious space station, quite mean meanwhile the rest of the, the population of the planet is it's starving to death and they're living in that like the whole planet has become one massive shanty town
1: well you look at the movie escape from new york escape from la mm-hmm. you look for example at the star trek first contact where the world has pretty much fallen apart and that's mm-hmm. when they discover warp drive and they have the first contact with the vulcans you look at Other TV series, Defiance, for example, talking Mm. about the same kind of thing civilization falling apart, and these are the remnants. Revolution, same deal. They invent something that kills the electricity around the world, and we're back in the 18th century. Yeah, there's
3: a lot of that, you know, like the current. Maybe that's also why so many people are fascinated with uh, ancient civilizations. And now that the ancient aliens, theory is so popular because of the the program on on, on H2, uh, mainly because of the idea that perhaps there were civilizations in antiquity that reached uh, a very uh, high level of sophistication and somehow they messed up, you know, something happened, some catastrophe, maybe, maybe self-caused, maybe they had some kind of war or something and then they destroyed uh, what they have managed to build, and we had to start all over again. Maybe there's this nascent fear that we are on the brink of blowing everything up, so our descendants will have to return to the stone Age and pick up the pieces.
1: Well, the problem with it that is, could it become a self-fulfilling prophecy? That if we expect the mm-hmm. world to fall apart, it will fall apart, and we will have those pieces to pick up. That's what generates all this fiction all over the place. The same story that you have the industrialists, the one percent taking over, or just everything falling apart. There's no one (laughs) percent. We're all mm -hmm. part of the ninety nine percent. We're all poor. We're all scrounging out there to make a living.
3: Yes, perhaps, perhaps uh, there seems something of uh, there seems to be something of a death wish, you know, in modern. Western culture, you know, the, that's all. Something I think that's what drove much of my, the impetus of this uh, the, the 2012 idea of the end of the world. And many people maybe saw that as a as an escape, you know, and say, oh great, you know, the world will be over, and now I don't, I won't have to be stuck on this uh, dead end job, <laughs> you know, with paying my mortgage or something.
1: Right. Don't have to worry about the credit bureau. There will be no credit bureau. Your creditors will not call you mm-hmm. until 8 p.m. every evening saying, where's my money? It's not going to happen.
3: Mm-hmm. But maybe then we have to create a new vision of where we want to go. No, that we Yes, there is going to be trouble, but the, the trouble can also be a source of, of opportunity. We, we are smart enough to take it.
2: This disparity that um, you keep hearing about—the ninety-nine percent versus the one percent—does suggest to me that the possibility of there being, as Richard Dolan and Joseph Farrell have, have, have dubbed it, a breakaway civilization, I think, is more evident, and and it's it's more likely that we have a certain trillionaire-esque game going on of, of developing technology for the elite breakaway civilization and allowing everybody else just to muddle along with. With uh, whatever they can get to operate and, and survive with, mm-hmm. and meanwhile you have uh, exotic technologies and the very small percentage of people that are in a position to utilize them um, I think it's much more likely um, that this scenario is going on in light of all these cultural um, examples that you guys have just been talking about in terms of how the media and how you know our creative uh, types are, are coming up constantly with these scenarios that, that really are suggesting that that us lowly people, the great unwashed masses, are, are being kind of held in check by a breakaway civilization, which is basically what Elysium and, and a few of these other examples that you've been talking about, that's, that's basically what this situation could be described as. So
1: what do you think about that, RPJ? We'll have his answer in our next segment. How about that? If the world doesn't explode before then. And let me remind you that next week we'll be featuring Dr. Bruce Maccabee talking about the Gulf Breeze case and lots more. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The nation's
7: largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis
1: Communications Network, GCN.
16: It's time for a home security quiz. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $30? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. Fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. To get your fake TV for only $29.95 with free shipping, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388. Or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent.
9: Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283.
6: There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops Helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life changing and vital balance, please visit Alkavision's brand new website at alkavision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just twenty nine ninety five, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. This is Jacques
11: Vallée. You're listening to the podcast. The gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: The world has not exploded, let me assure you. At least that's what they tell me. I might not be here to explain that. Red Pill Junkie is here joining us. He's an online paranormal blogger and commentator. And we're probing his brain to see what's going on there and asking your questions. Chris asked him, for some comments about the state of things rpj
3: uh, there is a guy named uh, dr christopher ryan who wrote a book titled sex at dawn and he also has uh, a podcast called tangentially speaking which i follow regularly and he had something very interesting to say about how people are fearing something like uh, uh, the singularity and the transhumanist movement and how some people have this like very sci-fi idea of one day you know the machines coming you know to to rebel against us and uh, and start to run things but in his opinion you know this already happened you know we already live in an age in which uh, non-human synthetic organisms are running the planet we just call them corporations and these uh, corporations are like these immortal entities that are only interested in self-preservation and are consuming all the resources of the planet, and are you know just uh, enslaving that 99% of of humanity that only you know they can they're only focused on trying to to make to make ends meet you know instead of you know trying to 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 look at like we do uh, that, trying to uh, find answers to the, all these uh, mysteries you know. So there's something about that, you know. I think he has a point.
1: We always talk about these ways of destroying the world. Of course, in the movie Independence Day, the 1% mm-hmm. were these locust-like creatures who mm-hmm. come to a planet, they exploit the natural resources, and when everything is laid waste, they go on to another planet, and their mothership ship carries their entire civilization.
3: Yeah, I think that. there's some, it's, it's like something like Chris proposed in you know, on his books the idea that maybe the, the this phenomenon this trickster-like phenomenon is trying to coax us out of the planet because you know we are the planet is maybe like an egg or maybe like we are like eaters inside the, the placenta and the placenta uh, starts to become toxic you know as a way to, to provoke the birth of a child so maybe maybe that's what happened maybe we subconsciously turned our, our planet toxic so now we have we have no other option but try to seek to find a new home you know in outer space
2: right it's like a like the planet is a giant mama bird trying to kick the little babies out of the nest mm-hmm. maybe say go go fly somewhere <laughs> yeah i, I don't mind fly... flying somewhere if it's a better
3: place well it will be a place you know it will be a place where we'll will there will be Problems like there will always be. You know, some people say that before trying to, to start this space colonization, we should try to, to solve all our problems here. Problem with that is that there will always be problems here. You know, the reality is messy. Reality is imperfect. That's that's I mean, that's the basis of of, of reality. So uh, wherever we go, you know, there will be there will be humans willing to make make trouble.
1: Yeah, we gotta watch out for humans. <laughs> yeah, that's Especially our biggest a, problem. Rarely human. in Indiana.
3: Mm-hmm. So that's what some people are now proposing that maybe we should get rid of humans. You know, people like Ray Kurzweil who wants to upgrade us and to try to uh, uh, integrate us with our own technology in order to become post-human. You know, maybe we'll be then according to him. Smart enough to solve the problems that simple, simple-minded humans uh, started so many years ago.
1: Chris, let's continue with the questions. Okay, um, here's
2: one from trained observer again, who's one of our most active posters. He's rapidly approaching five thousand messages that he's posted at forum.therparacast.
1: dot com. And there's no truth to the rumor that he will keep posting till he gets it right. <laughs> <laughs> oh tio's
2: cool we love him he's always coming up with interesting stuff and you know? uh he's gonna put you on the spot with this one he says greetings from one compulsive commentator to another <laughs> do you think that there are any quote unquote true photographs of aliens ghosts or crypto creatures on the internet if not why would that be so given the proliferation of cameras in the modern world? If you think there are genuine photos available, can you point us to them? Oh boy. Well, about this idea that there are so many
3: cameras right now available because people are carrying smartphones and that's why we should be able to have more uh, photos of UFOs or whatever. You know, uh, the other day, I was in my in my office and I saw this very beautiful rainbow, and I tried to take a picture <laughs> of it with my my smartphone camera. And after several tries, you know, and even though the the, the rainbow was very complacent and it it didn't run away from me, uh, I couldn't I couldn't uh, manage to capture it on, on the image. So we have to keep in mind that uh, yes, there are more. Uh, cameras outside right now, but they are not maybe they are not uh, sensitive enough to capture things that the human eye can.
2: Well, you got to factor in uh, you know the fact that these people are looking down into their phones. they're not even looking around. so mm-hmm. I, I think that's actually creating more of a problem because it used to be you didn't have a phone in your hand and you weren't texting and you weren't uh, reading your emails and stuff as you're walking around. I'll bet you one thing we'll see is a lot more people being hit by cars, uh, by uh, getting killed in automobile wrecks because they're busy with their smartphones. Smartphones are actually the opposite of what we need uh, to have people be more vigilant of the, uh, their environment and especially the sky around them. I think smartphones have probably done more damage to potential sky watching than any other thing so you know there's a downside to everything and and that's the downside to uh, all these smartphones in, in my yeah. opinion
3: yeah but getting back to his uh to his question uh and you know in, in kind of a segue of what you're saying i'm more interested in the in the type of photographs in which you know the the, the cameraman wasn't actually aware or wasn't intending of Uh, of capturing anything uh, particularly anomalous. I remember this. uh, I actually looked looked it up on the internet. This uh, black and white photo from 1959, taken by a woman called Mabel Chinery, was visiting the grave of her mother in a British graveyard, and he took a picture of his husband, who was on the front seat of the car. And on the back you see... uh, uh, left, uh, uh, a female figure with glasses, and the woman claims that that uh, he, there was no one else in the car, and that that woman uh, is uh, was uh, her her dead her dead mother, you know. And well, I'm not saying this is a genuine ghost photograph. I am. I'm not saying. I always find it interesting, you know. Another one that I also uh, comes to mind is this. Uh, Famous or infamous photo taken in the 1960s in, in England, uh, where you see a little girl in the foreground, and in the background you see a, a, a very weird, you know, uh, figure, human, a figure with wearing some kind of uh, weird uh, white uh, like outfit, you know, like a spaceman outfit. I, al- I al- always found that but the picture also interesting
1: all right that is very interesting uh, and i think we're going to have to do a break now Mm -hmm. and focus on more questions more comments we're exploring way 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 beyond the final frontier our guest is red pill junkie that's the way he prefers to be mentioned and by the way there's another red pill junkie out there isn't that screwy we'll learn more about that with gene and chris you're in the The Paracast.
7: We are the premier independent talk radio network, the Genesis Communications
0: Network, GCN.
11: Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com.
8: Herbicist Ben Fuchs has learned the importance of good fats for good health. Good fats are essential fatty acids, and they're called essential because they're necessary for good health. That's why he uses Ultimate EFAs from Longevity. Among the fats, the most powerful are two fats that are referred to as essential fatty acids. Now,
6: nothing in the world of nutrition is more important than essential fatty acids. The word essential means you better get it in your diet or you're in big trouble. Essential fatty acids are perhaps the most multifunctional and versatile of all the essential nutrients. Essential fatty acids are not just important for the heart. They're important for
8: everything in the body. To get the essential fatty acids that are so important to your body, order Ultimate EFAs from Longevity by calling 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470. Or on the web at brightsidebin.com. That's brightsidebin.com. Order today.
11: Ron Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening
4: to the Paracast.
1: We have the one and only Red Pill Chunky joining us on the Paracast, but wait a minute, there's another guy using that name. RPJ, tell us what's going on.
3: I don't know. I mean, I know that there's another one using the nickname, you can believe it. And the reason I know is because a friend of mine uh, told me that there was, uh, before I uh, entered into Twitter, that there was already a guy in Twitter using the, the handle of Redfield Junkie. So I decided to find out, and it turns out that the guy is also Mexican and also an industrial designer, You know, which is the, the, the profession I studied on, on, in college. So I don't know, man, talk about, talk about doppelgangers, huh?
2: Yeah, maybe he's your evil twin. <laughs> maybe. I hope he behaves. Yeah, really. Okay, well, here's here's another question from Polterwurst this time, who's been a poster at forum.theparacast.com for two years. And, um, you know, he wants to know why the fascination with the unexplained, with you personally and, and, and in people in general. But... Uh, he asked, do you have any experiences yourself which you couldn't explain even after examining examining them thoroughly? And would you agree that it's illogical to believe in the existence of gen- genuine phenomena without having had an experience like that? Let's take that one first. You've mentioned a couple of things that you've seen. What's the most perplexing thing that you cannot explain that you've you you've experienced? The most perplexing thing I experienced? Besides that girl in, in high school.
3: <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I had a, uh, a very powerful synchronicity on my way to the first Paradigm Symposium. Uh, I, was, uh, I was very uh, nervous back then because it was going to be my, actually, if you can believe, it, the first uh, trip that I was going to do abroad on all on my own. And I was going to a place where actually nobody knew me, you know, personally, so I was very, very, very hesitant. And I, uh, I went to the airport carrying a copy of uh, Martian, Martian Chronicles by Ray, Ray Bradbury. You know, I was about to end the book. Uh, I still decided whether I should bring it with me or leave it and finish it uh, after I returned. But I decided to take it. And just I was about, I, as I was about to board the plane, I was reading the last uh, story on, on on the book which is the the million year old picnic and in, in that book uh the it was mentioned the city of Minneapolis and kind of st- struck me because I was going to minneapolis in that moment you know and 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 one of the characters' name was Mike, which is well oh it's get the cats out of the back that's actually my name in in in, in midspace Miguel. So uh, I found that to be kind of a, like a a, 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 link, a little wink of the universe telling me that it, it was all, all going to be all right and that, that I was meant to go to the paradigm symposium in Minneapolis.
2: Okay. Yeah, I love synchronicities when they happen. Uh, most of the time, sometimes they're a little scary. Uh, I do have quite a number in my life as well. Here's a follow-up question from Paul to Worst. Who do you think does more harm to the field, the the debunkers and hoaxers or the charlatans catering to the true believers?
4: Oh, boy,
3: I guess, in my opinion, that will be the debunkers, because no matter how great a case you might have, no matter how good the evidence you you might be able to provide, they will always go and say, nope, you know, you know, uh, Extraordinary claims deserve extraordinary evidence, and they are the ones who think they have the right to say what exactly is extraordinary. But then again, you know, bringing back my the teachings of Carlos Castaneda. I, 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 nowadays, I consider the bunkers for what they really are, and that is they are they are petty tyrants, you know. Petit uh, tyrant, according to Carlos Cartanella, is uh, a tormentor—someone who either holds the power of life and death over a warrior or simply annoys them to destruction. You know, so if you see the bunkers uh, as a way to, to to challenge you, you know, to help you really on a personal basis to understand why is it that you believe in what you believe in, you know, what's the the reason behind, you know, to, uh, your allegations, they can be. Actually, uh, a powerful tool of learning. You know, you, in, in the teachings of, the, uh, 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 of Carlos Castaneda, a warrior should be thankful for petty tyrants because it's a chance to to to, to challenge your skills. You know, so maybe if you if you look you look at them that, that way, maybe you will you won't be so annoyed by by the bunkers because you will never be able to convince them. Right, they will never go out and say, Oh, you know, I was wrong, and, 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 and you are right, and UFOs exist, and blah blah blah. They're never going to do that because that's what they do. They are professional skeptics, you know, that's what, that's their, that's what they do for a living. But do it for yourself, you know. A little opposition can be a, a, a very good thing, you know, if you someone is able to, to provide with civil. Uh, opposition, you know, civil disagreement—it can be uh, a wonderful tool of learning.
1: But then, if they're paying you to be a house skeptic, well, you got to make a living. That's the philosophy.
3: Mm-hmm. That's the problem because they, they 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 follow follow a certain agenda. But there are there are uh, real skeptics you know people who are okay skeptics in the truest sense of the world not the word not the hijacked form that we see in some certain labels. i would i could name a few like a uh, guy named martin clemens who is recently writing for mysterious universe there's also this uh, girl called hayley stevens uh, who she is a paranormal investigator in england and she she is very uh center, you know, I, I pay attention to what she has to say. And even my friend, Micah Hans, you know, he's grown more skeptics over the years and we disagree in a few things, but he's uh, smart enough to don't be uh, emotionally invested in, in, in his research, you know. He, he doesn't have to be bright all the time and he doesn't have to get angry if I just don't happen to uh, agree with him about, I don't know, ghost rockets or UFOs or or whatever
1: Micah Hanks is one of our favorite guests here I wanted to ask you RPJ what about some researchers who become so wedded to a belief system or a particular case that they can't see beyond that and if things about that case are proven not to be correct they will insist almost to their dying day that there's no such thing that the case is real and I'm not going to mention someone like Stanton Friedman and the MJ-12 documents, but I think that's an example. I don't think the documents hold up to scrutiny.
3: Yeah, I think that's also uh, another problem in the field. You know, people who are, like you said, so invested in a particular theory that they cannot, uh, maybe out of fear or maybe out of trying to, to lose space, you know, they cannot go and maybe entertain the, the possibility that they are, might be wrong. So that's why one of the reasons that I'm, I'm uh, I pay a lot of attention to someone like uh, Grant Cameron, who started on a very maybe not some boldy c- kind of way of looking at the phenomenon, but and now he's progressing to a more uh, being more interested in, con- in the consciousness aspect of the phenomenon. He is an example of someone who has evolved in his particular way of thinking, like Jacques Vallée and. I pay more attention to those kind of researchers.
2: Well, I, I would disagree with you. And I would say that the hoaxers okay. and the charlatans uh, could create more problems because that generally they prey on, on what could be potentially good minds, good investigators, young people coming up wanting to get educated. And the mudding of the waters by hoaxers and charlatans, I think makes it much more difficult to attract younger people into the field to give them an accurate data set of information, I think debunkers uh, have actually a role in the process of keeping people honest, keeping uh, uh, thinking uh, as pristine as possible. You know, skeptics are one thing; debunkers are another. But y- the debunkers, you can you can you can tell because every other word is "no, it's not," mm-hmm. "no, it's not," "no, it's not," and that's easy to see through. Some of these people, like the twins that shall not be named in their website, putting up all this questionable stuff, that it surrounds uh, some good stuff. And by putting the same gravitas on all of it, you're not differentiating for the newcomer, the newbie. You're not giving them a sense of what to really look for versus
1: all the crap that it's surrounding. Well, then you create the impression, Chris, that's all crap, because if this is crap... And this is nonsense, and this is an example of the best evidence that UFO believers can present. Don't pay attention to it. We are paying attention to Red Pill Junkie. Joining Gene and Chris, you're in the The Paracast.
2: On, on what could be potentially good minds, good investigators, young people coming up, wanting to get educated, and the mudding of the waters by...
7: We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Red Pill Junkie joins us with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. I'm going to ask you, what the heck would you care to tell our listeners what your real name is? We know your yes. first name. Yeah, my, my real name is Miguel Romero. Okay, now you know. Yeah, heard it here first, folks. Okay, Miguel, but we're still going to call you RPJ. Okay. (laughs) Let me ask you a question here. You're an interior designer. you have a family? No, I'm single. All right. Do you have family members out there who are aware of your paranormal pursuits?
3: Yeah, I mean, my parents know know that uh, I'm a blogger, that I blog in, in, in these kind of things. Obviously, because of the fact that I a hundred percent of what i write is in english that maybe they're not uh, willing or able to follow it uh but no yeah they're aware that that i'm a very active uh, member of the 14 blogosphere
1: do they have any interest in those subjects or not Mm,
3: not really you know and back in the day when i was younger they kind of teased me about it you know uh For example, my my sisters, uh, they couldn't get over the the fact that when I was in in high school and I was reading Whitley-Striever's Communion, I had to sleep with the light on for six full months on account of the book because it (laughs) it scared the crap out of me. So they will tell me, oh my -hmm. God, I can't believe you're a young, a a grown man by now. You're acting like a baby. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I had to uh, even kept keep the book, you know, with the front cover, you know, with the, the, the picture with the big black eyes. I had to keep it upside down because I just couldn't stand watching it after the lights, the, the sun went dark.
1: Mm. Well, my crazy brother used to tell me all sorts of horror stories when I was a kid. He talked about Frankenstein and Dracula and vampires. And he was the one, when I was 11, he left a copy of a flying saucer book on his coffee table at his apartment. And that's what got me started in the subject. So, it's his fault. (laughs) Unfortunately, he's not here to argue with him over the point. But somewhere out there, and I won't say whether it's up there or down there, it depends on your point of view, he might be laughing at us right now. I'm sure he is. Well, maybe you've talked to him lately, telling me more. <laughs> what do you have to say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chris, some more questions.
2: Okay. It's uh, another another couple of good questions from Polterwurst. These will make you think a little bit. Do you think there is a demand being created by fans of these fields that we've been talking about? The paranormal, the 4T and stuff you think there's fans that need there's a demand created by the need for new stories new theories new alleged phenomena like uh these new things like slender man and the dark-eyed children are we seeing uh is there a chance rather for the genuine phenomenon to even be recognized in such a, an environment like this with these new things coming along and the internet disseminating all this stuff what do you think about hmm. this there demand, demand
3: being created? I don't know if there is a demand for new theories because uh, uh, I think that uh, overall people, most people like simple untidy, black and white explanations. You know? UFOs are extraterrestrial spacecraft. Bigfoot is an undiscovered primate, you know, roaming around the, the, the North American forests. Uh, the Loch Ness Monster is a pleasure ghosts are the the souls of the deceased and all that, you know, so uh, I think that only a small fraction of people are maybe are more interested in um, kind of messier or more nuanced uh, considerations about uh, the paranormal, how maybe somehow all of these uh, uh, seemingly uh, distinct uh, phenomena maybe might be connected somehow as for the the hunger or the crave for new theories or m- m- for new uh, stories yeah there's always going to be people who are uh, who want to read uh, maybe about the, the black eyed kids right now are very uh, are very popular slenderman you know it's also a very popular story right now among people who maybe you know 10 or 20 20 years younger than us and well that's as for is there any hope for for a chance of uh, of uh, the true phenomenon to be recognized i don't know man uh, i think the phenomenon will be able to 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 evolve and modify itself in order for us to pay attention to it as it's all, as it's always have
2: so yeah. you 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 think these phenomena they they kind of appear in certain guises and in certain situations uh, in, as, as, as a way to fulfill the expectations of the experiencer?
3: Yeah, I think partly, and also maybe partly following uh, an agenda that we might not be able to, to recognize. For example, I think that uh, this phenomenon acts, this phenomena acts in several different layers, that maybe there is a very personal Layer that is only meant for the direct experience circle. There also may, may be the possibility that there's a different layer m- meant to like uh, infect, if you want to use that term, a uh, 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 third parties. For example, uh, I remembered how Nick Redburn, in one of his blog posts for Uf- UFO Mystics, talked how his interest in these topics was spawned by something his father told him when he was uh, a member of the Royal Air Force, I think he was a radar operator, and uh, back in those days he, there was some kind of a weird UFO uh, event that was registered by the radar or something, and uh, that uh, s- uh, like piqued the curiosity of young Nick, Nick back then, so I proposed to him, well, maybe that sighting or that event that happened to your dad was also somehow meant to you man because here you are you know you you dedicated your life now to to study this phenomenon so maybe that was some kind of crossword so crossroads in your in your
1: path so was the decision of my brother to borrow a flying saucer book from the new york public library and leave it so i'd see it yeah. was that deliberate. Because nope. the more you think about it, it's got to be weird, because I never knew that guy to be interested in any such thing. He had an interest in science fiction and fantasy, obviously. Witness the stories he tell me when I was very young before he left home. But I never knew him to sit there and just read books about UFOs. On this yes. particular occasion, the book was there. I never, ever saw him or saw another book like that left for anyone to see just that one time
3: yeah i i stopped believing in coincidences a long time ago i think that things like that happen for a reason and I, I also among members of my family who didn't have a i didn't have a particular interest in the topic but nevertheless i found in some of their person their libraries uh books like uh, written by pedro ferris or teams diesel about you know, the lockneck monster and know and those books were uh, had a huge impact in, when I was a child
1: so there you go you wonder if they expected that to influence your young mind and turn your life in a different sort of direction maybe
3: I think that there are forces beyond our understanding who, who somehow are pulling the strings you know that somehow uh, lead us in a certain direction.
1: Well, I know what this direction has done. It hasn't made me rich and famous. Maybe I'm slightly famous or slightly well-known. I don't know. I don't dwell upon it. I don't worry about it. That can, there's a forum thread at the PowerCast forums where we suggest that once I'm gone, my dog Teddy Bear will take over the newsletter. <laughs> Red Pill Junkie joins Gene and Chris. You're in... Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition ready to give your site a speed boost well tell you what neighbors head on over to a2hosting.com that's a2 that's number two a2hosting.com check out their prime hosting account and get this neighbors they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners 25% And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out.
15: products from municipal water berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water for the gold standard in water filters get a big berkey at big berkey water and all gcn listeners get five percent off all ceramic filter systems for details call 1-877-99 berkey that's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y
6: big berkey water filters for the love of clean water There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at (laughs) forum.theparacast.com.
2: It sounds like Nick Redfern's crazy uncle. (laughs) From the school of Nick Redfern.
1: There you oh, that's go. funny.
2: Well, I have some more questions here if we want to uh, go through them. Uh, Polterwurst has a couple more. Uh, this next uh, couple of questions, I, I'm really interested to hear what uh, RPG has to say about this. Would you agree that UFO sightings seem more abundant in Mexico than elsewhere? And if so, could there be a correlation with the paranormal being more accepted in general there? Well,
3: the, the, the UFO sightings are definitely abundant in Mexico. Are, are there more abundant than uh, other places? I don't know. Maybe the people are more willing to report it, you know, or maybe are more willing to spend their afternoons, you know, sitting on, a, on the rooftop with their camera on hand, just waiting to see if they can, they can record something anomalous. And it's something that, that I discuss, recently discussed with Greg, so how, what I would like to see um, as a progression in the, in the field is uh, more people from different countries, you know, starting to, to contribute and to alert uh, uh, the English speaking community of the events happening in their countries, because I would really like to know what's happening in China. Or what's happening in Czechoslovakia? What's happening in Russia? Maybe there's a, right now a big UFO wave in China, and we just don't know about it because there's this the, the language the language barrier.
2: Well, that brings up uh, yeah, that brings up the point that um, a lot of this type of information doesn't leave the locality mm-hmm. of where it's reported. I've noticed this uh, in my years out in the field that oftentimes the locals will have all kinds of interesting stories about things going on and then in three or four communities away they're not aware of it it's only when the regional media gets in touch uh with witnesses and and maybe airs some footage or or covers a news story that then it's slowly this particular uh story gets legs and then spreads and if if these types of activities continue that's when your regional media will be you know, recognized by by national media, and then possibly a story will be uh, told. But it's it's like everything else; it's right place at the right time. You know, the right person saying the right buzzword to the right reporter who's in a position to have some influence and get a uh, a story written. Um, a good example of that would be the Phoenix Lights case, mm-hmm. uh, which w- was a huge story uh, here in the you know, central Arizona area, but it wasn't until four months that the national media got a hold of the story. Um, I think it was two or three months, actually, almost four months later. And, uh, I think the USA today did a big story on it. And then all of a sudden it became, you know, worldwide news. Um, I, I just find it very interesting how the culture uh, allow certain things to be disseminated at a particular speed and um, with a particular amount of inertia behind it. And I, I, I think down in Mexico, as you pointed out, people are are more willing to spend a little time sky watching, maybe get up on their roof with a camera, and once they have captured something, there are people that they know of like Jaime and others that they can Mm -hmm. then present this footage to uh, as a platform for it to be shown to the, to the culture at large. You don't see that happening very much in other countries, South America to some degree. Yes. But, um, you know, I, I really would like to know what's going on in China. I mean, the largest UFO group, in the world has a million members and it's a chinese ufo uh civilian ufo organization and i think more effort personally should be devoted by trying to create inroads and connections with groups around the world i think MUFON really needs to 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 expand its efforts and outreach to other countries especially countries that have a history of of sightings and and yeah. un, unusual p- reports of all kinds
3: mm-hmm. so
2: totally what do you think agree. about that i couldn't agree more
3: you know i think that there's needs to be uh, a wider network of, or, of participation you know and uh, if we could just see the same level of willingness of uh, young people trying sharing viral stories like you know instead of maybe they, they didn't pay so much attention to justin bieber <laughs> or Miley Cyrus and pay more attention to the local newspaper and which might have run some interesting UFO story and they were then tweeted about it, you know, in, in, in English or because English, let's be honest, it's still the the lingua franca in the world, you know. And that's right. that, that's the way in which you can connect with ninety-nine percent of what it's of the content in the internet. So if we could manage to somehow uh, coax younger generation to start paying more attention to what's happening around their vicinity and share it with with, with the rest of the world using the social networks, I think that would be a, a very interesting uh, move forward.
2: Yeah. Do, do you find the, the generations uh, younger than you, you being in your mid to late 30s, uh, do you find them more jaded? less uh interested in these subjects disinterested in anything but their their smartphone whether they're gonna get laid and uh whether they have the right kind of tennis shoes
3: all them kids with their smartphones and their xbox one when in my day uh, we have to go to the arcade you know when we have to stay in line you know i don't know man i think that people get interested uh, in the subject uh, for all kinds of things maybe a lot of teenagers became interested in the UFOs after the Stephen Bill sighting of a few years ago, you know. Right. And maybe some people uh, will get interested about the phenomenon once an, uh, another big UFO flap starts in another country. You know. That's
2: so. You think interest is event-driven, then?
3: Yeah, I think so.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I can see why you'd say that. So it's going to take a, like a real major Phoenix Lights-style uh, sighting that is impossible to cover up and gets incredible coverage. Then we'll see a jumpstart. I, I saw a jumpstart when when the X-Files came out. All of a sudden, there was a huge interest in UFOs, conspiracy, uh, black budget, the military projects, clandestine uh, PSYOP-type uh, scenarios, and they're seemed to be a 92 an incredible upsurge of interest which then corresponded to an upsurge in reports of all kinds because it, I, it seems to me more people were interested more people were aware of their of their surroundings and by being more aware of your surroundings chances are uh, you're going to see more reports and, and more levels of uh, activity because there's more people interested in watching what can we do today to have something like that that's not relying on, on something high, strange happening
1: in front of a lot of people? And before we have the answer to that question, we have to do the break right now. But we do have Red Pill Junkie joining us, our prolific blogger, commenting on all things strange, all things unusual. And that's where it goes. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in.
2: The podcast. <laughs> Oh man, that was good. A
7: little right, a little left, but always independent minded. The Genesis
1: Communications Network, GCN.
16: Now
5: you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High protein, high energy freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations, they're lightweight and easy to carry, easy to prepare by just adding water, easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866 404 3663 866 404 Food. Or log on now to
17: freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com. Can heart and body extract help with other ailments besides heart conditions, high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or unbalanced cholesterol? It did for Karen.
14: I've been using heart and body extract for approximately two weeks. I've had an earwax buildup problem for many years with over-the-counter stuff not working at all. I had very poor hearing due to this earwax buildup. Well, after two weeks of taking heart and body extract, my earwax buildup almost completely cleared up. Could this be the Effective of better body circulation heart and
17: body extract is an effective 100 percent organic nutritional supplement specially formulated to allow your body to heal itself
14: my hearing is almost completely back to normal i'm amazed
17: order by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com that's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com heart and body extract for a long and healthy life
9: This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast.
1: You know what we should do here? I still think we should have a recording on CD, on iTunes, the best of the Paracast Stingers.
3: Yeah, that would be great. That's and we'll a- have, of course,
1: you and Nick Redfern. Bryce Zabel does a very good job. We had a good one from Brad Steiger. Oh, he's pretty good, too. Yeah, he's he got a
2: good right one, voice. real good one. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I I always go with the original. The original is usually the best. <laughs> All right, so you want us to fire some more questions at you? We do have we do have some here. If you don't take the questions, you're fired. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask a question. Now, you've mentioned Carlos Casaneda a number of times. Mm-hmm. Uh I must admit that I was a huge fan of Castaneda's work from very early on from back in the late 60s uh, early 70s uh prior to high school actually I started reading those books and all through high school um I let's put it this way I utilized many of the techniques that were suggested in the books mm-hmm. uh to do certain things uh found most of them didn't work some did but um I'm just wondering now that we know much more about Castaneda and uh you know what happened to the to the Ten City, uh movement girls and the deaths that happened uh, following his death and allegations of of ad- academic fraud and, and that sort of thing where do you come down do you think that it's important that all this stuff that he talked about was true or do you feel that just the way he presented the information was enough uh, to give you your jump start into thinking outside of the box, so to speak, and, and, and thinking more in a shamanic kind of way. Was the accuracy, is that an issue for you? Does that throw the baby out with the bathwater that he he probably made up a vast majority of, of his uh, narrative after, let's say, Journey to X-Land, Tales of Power, and on? Where do you come down on that?
3: Let me put it to you this way. I'm pretty sure that the events that depicted in the Star Wars movies are all fictitious, you know, not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure they are all fictions. That doesn't mean I can't find some very valuable lessons. Yeah. Uh, okay. something that I can uh, take away from that, you know, and incorporate it into my point, into my worldview. That's the same with uh, Castaneda. I, I really don't care. If Don Juan existed or not, if it all came out, if you, if it all came out of the head of his own head, and more power to him, because you know that was, th- there's still a lot of pretty valuable uh, philosophical and even moral lessons that you can yes. extract from his work. You know the idea of taking responsibility for your actions, of you know like uh, uh, adopting the warrior lifestyle of of always you know thinking that you are a a, a being that is going to die and because because of that you have to bring meaning to your actions and all that 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 is valuable regardless of whether it's all uh, a fabrication or not
2: yeah i always got the impression the first two books were spot on that he was actually experiencing those things it's when he was uh when the Nahua was brought in, Don Don Genaro uh, was brought in. I thought that's where it kind of started to veer off into, you know, fiction. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was fascinating, uh, and it had a, a huge effect on a lot of people. Sold a zillion books, I might add. Yeah, um, and I think it, it it did change people's perspective about the potential magical nature of their reality and it was very helpful for those of us that were experimenting uh, heavily with psychedelics uh, yeah, i, I mean, must say
3: not a lot of people remember him right now but uh, back in those days he was one of the undisputable leaders of the counterculture mu- movement you know yeah. and, and that brought about whether we like it or not to, to a lot of uh, big social changes that are still yeah. reverberating into our culture to this day
2: well he made it kind of fashionable and cool and 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 stuff to to be involved in research pertaining to native american secret traditions and and the types of of shamanic practices that that we now know go on all over the world and have for thousands and thousands of years uh i think an offshoot of the castaneda material for instance uh, you, you can find in the the ayahuasca movement and and psychedelic uh, travel to Peru and other places uh, the Amazon uh, to imbibe in and uh, have fun with DMT uh, dimethyltryptamine, which occurs mm-hmm. you know in like dopamine and other uh, other chemicals uh, occurs naturally in the brain. Yeah. And uh, I I just find that uh, Castaneda's influence he he really subtly influenced a lot of, of progressive thinking especially as as it relates to psychedelics and spirituality um, along with terence mckenna and there, there are others uh, obviously that you could you could put in that uh in that category but uh, who do you see now as being the equivalent let's say for a young person coming up uh wanting to get in touch with more of a Psycho spiritual side. Um, do you see anybody there that um, that you're particularly uh, taken by? Yeah.
3: Well, I guess there are a lot of people who are trying to reach to the level of McKenna and all, and all those before him. Maybe people like uh, Daniel Pinchbeck you know, right. and all the, the guys involved in Reality Sandwich. Uh, but the problem is that maybe he will have to die <laughs> in order to to, to attain that the popularity of uh, of McKenna. That was right. something that, that I proposed to Greg the other day. You know, maybe we have to to uh, make someone like Mac Tony's to turn him into a, a, a viral a viral uh, uh, like guru in the in the net. The way that McKenna became much more relevant after he died than when he was still alive you know yeah now it's you can hardly you can easily find like one million uh, comments on the internet about terence mckenna you can find like a thousand video clips on youtube when you can hear him talk and people who use uh, his, his uh, speeches the audio maybe in order to create uh, uh some beautiful uh animation with their computer so the guy is getting much more relevant in death than he was yeah. in life, you know. You, in, in Buddhism, you, 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 there is the notion of the Bodhisattva, you know, the realized master that is helping the, into the enlightenment of, of of the rest of humanity. So maybe Terrence McKenna, Alan Watts, and Robert Anton Wilson have become like B.T. Safas, you know, digital gurus that are still living in the right. Internet, you know, and are spreading all these Ideas into the younger generations, and maybe those ideas will elicit a huge social impact in the future. I think that is already happening right now with how uh, the culture is moving forward into accepting the use of psychedelics and entheogens, you know, uh, not just uh, demonize them. How in the United States, There's already two uh, states who have legalized the recreational use of marijuana in elsewhere in the the country of Uruguay has fully legalized marijuana. And it's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, I think that we are going to see like a a, a new kind of psychedelic renaissance that would be like the, the wet dream of Timothy Leary. Yeah,
1: really. I wanted to ask you something, R.P.J., very quickly, and we have to break for the final segment. It's that Mm -hmm. fast, folks. Okay, what is the situation in Mexico? Because we always think of Mexico and drug cartels and everything. But what about marijuana? What happens to you if you're caught?
3: Do you want me to answer here, or should we go uh,
1: to the break? Well, the question, I guess, would be whether we'd still see you after (laughs) this happened, if they found out what was going on. That would be it. By the way, on next week's show, we have Dr. Bruce McAbee, a scientist who has investigated the Gulf Breeze, Florida UFO case, and lots of others. He'll be answering your questions and talking about that next week on the show. Right now, we have one more segment left with Red Pill Junkie joining Gene and Chris. You're in the The podcast.
7: leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political
1: persuasion. We are GCN.
8: Curious
16: about what comes next? Next is the feeling of vulnerability you get after you arrive home to discover your house has been ransacked by burglars. Fool the bad guys with a new improved fake TV. You asked for it, we listened, and we made our new fake TV three times brighter than our previous model. The brightness of our new fake TV is equivalent to a 40-inch TV. It simulates the color and motion of a real TV while you're away from home. And when burglars think someone is home watching television, they're likely to pass your house and move on to an easier target. The new, brighter fake TV is only $39.95 and includes free shipping. Go to Faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKETV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to Faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent.
18: Ouch! My back is out again! Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is, patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the Nuca approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle-touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's dr o r DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right.
14: Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: The Everly Brothers, are not. Or maybe it is because one of the Everly Brothers is now dead. We're hearing what would happen. If the one who's still living would try to harmonize with his dead brother. RPJ, Red Pill Junkie, joining Gene and Chris. And the question I asked him is about drug laws. In his home country, Mexico, if they catch you, what happens?
3: Depends how much they catch you with. You know, and there have been several cases, some uh, young kids who have been planted with dope from coming from maybe uh, another airport in uh, Peru, for example. So they come to the international airport in Mexico and they register the the luggage and they found this uh, uh, planted drug and it it can get you in a lot of trouble. But at the same time, I think there's definitely a move forward into having the discussion that uh, of finally legalizing uh, marijuana our former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox, is very uh, adamant, uh, strong advocate for the legalization of marijuana. Even President Calderon, who was the one who started the push into the war against the the, the cartels in 2006, by the end of his uh, uh, of his term, he went to the United Nations and he tell uh, he called for a a serious address into the discussion of of, of finally uh, ending this pointless war on drugs that has nothing but, you know, uh, brought pain pain and suffering into many nations, including my own.
2: I I find it very interesting that the two states that have legalized marijuana or cannabis in the United States, their, their two teams are going to the Super Bowl.
3: There you go.
1: Well, they're going to have brownies before they get into that game. (laughs) You gotta think about it. Yeah. Or will they have drug testing?
2: Uh I think it's still it's a no-no to get caught with uh cannabis in your system, but there are ways to get around it. I had a my guitar player in my band in in the nineties in Colorado was number two in the world as a as a wrestler. He's on the US Olympic wrestling team and he showed me a foolproof way to beat up his test with, uh, he would smoke a joint on the way into, to to get tested. And there is a way to get around that. Uh, so (laughs) I guess Alex Rodriguez would be the example of somebody that didn't even think he'd ever, uh, get tested much to his, uh, former hall of fame career. He's not going to make the hall of fame, but you know, I think it's a prevailing view that is, uh, dying off with the, uh, generation uh, prior to the baby boomers and even into the baby boomers, uh, I think that that uh, you, there's much more tolerance I think among the younger generations and um, we, we are seeing the polarizing of, of viewpoints. but I think I think the tide of tolerance is going to outweigh the, uh, the reaction reactionary uh, you know Bible thumper you know super conservative types out there.
1: Of which I count myself as not one. <laughs> Nor do um, we have any here. All right, let's just move quickly through topics. We're almost out of time. Yeah, what would you like to tell our listeners, RPJ? What uh,
2: What words of wisdom, projects you're working on, things you'd like to see, wishes, wants, desires? Do you have anything that uh, has been eaten away at your, uh, at yourself?
3: Well, in one of my latest... Blog post for the Intrepid Magazine blog, which I titled, It, it is titled "Shift Happens," okay. uh, and it was uh, the idea is that uh, I would like to see a move forward into uh, a, a more more focus into the 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 study of human consciousness that maybe you know just is uh, doing what. The field has done for so many years, they are just focusing on trying to get a better UFO photograph, or getting, or getting a better witness to go on the record in, uh, about their sighting, or going to to the next haunted house, wearing you know all these EM, EMF detectors and night vision, and seeing. Oh, what was that? I think that it's past time that we maybe, if we could, finally, prove that. Human consciousness is non-local. Then maybe that will be like the, the the key to open the Pandora's box into all these other phenomena. You know, maybe that will bring up about a true paradigm change in our in our culture. You know, because I think that the materialistic concept is finally running its course. It's yes, it has brought us a lot of a lot of time a nice uh, things in our lives like you know computers and internet and all that but it has all, also has caused a major wreck in our in our environment you know with climate change and all that maybe we need to move forward and maybe if we just found out something like that that human consciousness is able to survive that then maybe we wouldn't so willing to slave ourselves for 50 years or more years you know trying to make a living, trying to keep it up with the joneses or the cardations or whatever and we will uh, look to to other interests you know to to expand uh, uh, our, our, our
1: horizons worthy goals but we live in a world where people pretend that climate change does not exist we have active messages about that in our forums as you know
3: mm-hmm. yeah i think that one is one of the things that worries me the most right now i think people are calling about uh, uh peak oil or peak water i think that right now the the, the biggest threat to humanity is like peak trust you know people has have lost uh, the trust in their official institutions we don't trust uh, our political leaders, we don't trust uh, uh, scientific uh, organizations, we don't trust corporations. Uh, I remember that last year when uh, there was this news about the, the big uh, Russian meteor that crashed in, in this city, which whose name I can't remember right now, that a lot of a a big chunk of the Russian population didn't believe the story. They thought it was just a fabrication. And I'm sure that maybe if uh, tomorrow uh, uh, a group of NASA scientists announced that uh, an asteroid is going to hit the earth in 10 or 20 years, and we better do something about it to to defend ourselves, otherwise we're going to suffer the fate of the dinosaurs. I bet you that uh, eight years from then, there will still be people uh, thinking that it was the the news is just a lie it's just you know some time of false flag uh, uh, conspiracy theory you know
1: and that's that's worrisome well you know i think if they announce tomorrow that et is here he is landing in spaceships flying saucers are real most people would say Mm, okay, let me get back to watching The Real Housewives of L.A. or whatever the show is. Red Pill Junkie. Tell our listeners where they can find more of the things you write about.
3: Well, the place where I, I hang, hang the most is The Daily Grail, uh, www.dailygrail.com. I'm also a weekly blogger. I have a weekly column called The Red Pills of the Week on Mysterious Universe, mysteriousuniverse.org i also have a semi-regular post on the intrepid uh, magazine blog and i am also a semi-regular uh, guest on a podcast called the grimerica show which i which i make with my good friends darren and graham from in, who live in
1: canada okay coming up next week on the powercast will be featuring dr bruce Maccabee. he's a scientist who has studied extensively the Gulf Breeze Florida UFO flap and lots more next week on the PowerCast. And Chris O'Brien has our strangeplanet.com. And very soon stalkingtheherd.com will be active because the book Stalking the Herd, as we speak, is at the printer. He's doing the make ready, which is a technical term, folks, and getting things ready for this humongous book. So place your order today. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as The Paracast. We are The Paracast on Twitter. You hear the live stream at gcnlive.com and now the boostradionetwork.com. We're just about everywhere. They're right here, Red Pill Junkie. Thank you for joining us this week on The Paracast. Thank you so much for having me.